The Wintrust Business Lunch. We start with Terry Savage. As always, Terry, welcome to the show. I, I trust you're doing well. How do you know you're talking to me and not chat GPS? <laughs> How do you really know that since I'm not in the room today? That's been my line for some of our guests when that topic comes up. <laughs> it's not that good yet. That's the point. It's, it oh, makes okay. mistakes and it's pretty bland. <laughs> well, bland I'm not. Okay. Amen to that. So we're going to be joined by Ed Wehmer here in just a second. We'll talk a little bit about his bank and banking business in Chicago, for that matter, and the business climate generally. What else is on your mind today, Terry? Um, I'll have some news for you later about how you can get to talk in person with IRS tax experts this Saturday. Um, we should talk a little bit about interest rates. T-bills now up to 4.9%. But, you know, I'm really excited about talking to Ed Weimer. Not only is this the Wintrust Business Lunch, so people might think, was this a conflict? Is this a promo? Ed Weimer I've known forever. He's literally built a bank that's a leader in Chicago for both business and consumers. And he's done it while all of our Chicago banks that we remember historically from the Harris Bank, First National Bank of Chicago, etc., they've all been bought up by banks that have headquarters far away. Some smaller banks have grown up. They've been bought out. But Wintrust is the big survivor. It's a big, not only financial power in our city, but a civic power. And so when I read that Ed, who is definitely not retiring, but he's going to stop being CEO and be executive chairman of the bank for another few years. I figured that was a great time to reach out to get him to join us. So that's what I'm most looking forward to today. Well, we got him on the line right now. Hi, Ed. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, guys? Yeah, we're doing well. What's the difference between those two titles then, Ed? You're going to still be busy, <laughs> but maybe not as busy. What does one do that the other doesn't? Well, um... I don't have to put up with the 15-hour days and three client meals a day anymore, (laughs) which is kind of nice. But um, Tim Crane, who has been with us for for 15 years, and um, he turns, I think, 59 or 60 this year, felt that he was ready and the time was right to, um, oh, he's got to have at least eight to ten years in there and in the position. So I'm going to move on and become executive chair. There can only be one hand on the wheel driving the boat. That's uh, that's the only thing that um, <clears throat> I'll be kind of different for me. But he's got he's got to be the man running it, and uh, I'll be there to help him, support him, and and help with clients and do things I like to do and get involved a little bit more civically. And I'll still be real busy, but maybe now with the day to day stuff. Do you imagine a different course for the bank? Does he have a different vision or? Is he going to be more aggressive in one area or less so in another? What? How will the bank change, do you think? I don't think it'll change at all. I think um, we have such a great winning formula here. And people people laugh at it. They, they really questioned us early on about how we're structured with the multiple charters. and the, um, You know, we have 15 different banks and 100 and some 180 different locations in, in Wisconsin, Chicago, and Northwest Indiana, um, people you see in one bank there, and we have 15 banks, multiple charters, multiple names. It really helps us push decisions as close to the client as we can. And um, I think uh, Tim has bought in over 15 years. He, um, I don't think you'll see much of a change. Hopefully with our stock rising, you'll see us get back in the acquisition game a little bit, but 
um, haven't done a deal. We bought Rothschild's um, uh, uh, U.S. business and um, bought Allstate's um, agent portfolio, loan portfolio. We, we, we've usually done a deal a year, but it's just been impossible to do with our stock prices. Not really performed well as all banks. Um, anyway, it's coming back now. It's almost getting reasonable now. We can use it again. And um, I think you're going to see them just stay the same course. It's, um, it's a winning formula. we got great people. Mm-hmm. And um, you well, know, take care of your people, your customers, and uh, neighborhoods you're in, and your shareholders you got all nailed. Well, let me ask you this, Ed Waymer's on the line, along with Terry Savage. In the second half hour, Terry will be, as always, taking your questions and answering your com- answering your comments and questions about your personal finances, your taxes, whatever else you want to know. We've already got some questions for Terry after the 1230 edition of WGN Radio News. As a, a Chicago-based banker then, how optimistic are you for the businesses in this city? What are the obstacles or challenges, Ed, and and what do you see going forward? Terry Savage and Ed Waymer on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Terry, you're there, right? I sure am. And I don't want to miss this opportunity, if I can intrude for just a moment. I mean, gosh, Ed, you, your finger on the pulse of the markets and the economy. I know that John's going to ask you about Chicago. But could I ask you about something first? I've been telling all the listeners on the Wintrust Business Lunch that they should take their money out of the banks and get what is currently 4.9% on six-month T-bills. What do you think is going on with interest rates, and how long do you think this is going to last? Um, well, quit telling them to take them out of the bank. Would you <laughs> I know. I just had to – I submit uh, my hand to be slapped here publicly. Yeah. Um, I think that um, you're going to get a couple, maybe quarter point more raises. And it's election year next year, and that's going to stop. Everything will get back to normal. And you won't believe that the Fed is that political. I don't. Um, they're very political. I think. Uh, I, I, you know, they, they keep talking about a recession, and and there are technical signs point to recession, but it can't be that there, there's no bubbles out there. You never had a recession with full employment. So I think I think you'll see the rates start drop at the end of this year, being next year, and. Um, um, so lock in what you can now and hang on. Okay. No, you're not worried about this classical kind of recession where it doesn't seem to be happening, obviously, given the numbers, where people lose their jobs and banks. I mean, a year ago, Jamie Dimon was worried about a was a hurricane or tornado I and mean, putting up reserves for bad loans from bankers' point of view. Do you see any particular reason to be concerned about that aspect, bad loans, that that's kind of a recession? I, I don't see a, um, a bubble here. Um, that's the issue. Um, maybe on the retail side with credit cards and cars or something, you might have some issues, but you have full employment, Terry. It's, it's hard to believe you can have a recession. You have full employment, 11 million jobs are open right now. Positions, they may not be the best, but, you know, there are a lot of it in hospitality, what have you, but um, there's, there's, there's just so much pent-up um, demand to get back that's in the back in the... Um, inform after um, the uh, uh, pandemic and the like, get back to normal. So people's savings are running out. They're, going, they're having to go back to work. You're seeing the workforce get bigger. And um, I just I just don't see, it. I don't see it being a big one. There's no big bubbles out there. That's There's no real nice estate bubble. Maybe in, maybe in offices, but it's always a very resilient market. There's a lot of money out there. 
on the office side, people to re to repurpose buildings, what have you. But I don't see a big bubble. I don't see anything's going to cause it. It's um, uh, they want to push us backwards to stop inflation, which is a good thing. But I think it'll it'll stop on its own as um, money supply continues to come down. So do you- that's the best of all worlds. John, I'm sorry, I intruded on your question about Chicago, and I was equally intrigued by that. Yeah, well, I'm just wondering, Ed. I mean, what do you, as the the Bank of Chicago, if you will, the one with the foot on the ground and the imprint right here, um, what do you see about the business climate downtown and in the city overall? We see it being very good. Um, you know, it's it's the 13th biggest economy. If you take Chicago, Milwaukee, Northwest Indiana, 12th or 13th biggest economy in the world. Very diversified. I think there's not one industry that has more than 12 or 13 percent of uh, of the markets here. Um, it's got Chicago has it's got air, it's got sea, it's got water, it's got everything you need. Rail. So its location is perfect. It's um, if if we could get our um, I don't want to make it political, but we got we got to get the the guys in Springfield to understand what the hell's going on. They're driving people out of the state, and I you know if you sit if you sit and look at the river, if you're lucky to have dinner at Gibson's Italian, you look down the river, you go, you can't. It's so you can't screw this up, man. It's just you can't do it. But um, that's the biggest issue: is people leaving the state, and because um, of the taxes and the crime, it's got to get fixed, and. Um, Hopefully we can do that. Um, so the civic community came out and said we need to, uh, you know, do a 10-year rate, you know, half-point raise in taxes. I think people would, would go for that if they had any belief that they follow through with that and, and segregate the money. I think the biggest issue with all the people leaving is the, um, the inheritance tax. I mean, it's huge. Hmm. On top of the federal inheritance tax, it's uh, you don't pay 15 or 16 percent of your um you know, when you're dead, all your money to the to the state of Illinois. Geez. Well, that's not uh, everybody, though. That's that's over a certain threshold, right, Ed? Yeah, over. But their their limit is a lot less than the Fed's limit in terms of what you can deduct. So, well, of all of the things that it might be driving business out of Chicago um, or keeping businesses from locating to the city, that's not what I would have expected you to say. I would imagine at the state level taxes, and maybe even more critically at the local level, crime and the perception of crime. Would you rank them that way, Ed? Yeah, I would. And I think you- crime can be fixed. Um, I think uh, I think uh, the next mayor has to take it on, whether it's the existing mayor or one of the other, one of the other candidates has to take on crime and, and forget this, um, you know, uh, slap on the wrist sort of stuff. They, you, have to, you have to deal with crime. I mean, it's not fair to the the law-abiding people make them go out and be afraid all the time, and it's um it's tough. But you see, people don't. Uh, the restaurants get a little bit more crowded downtown, um, but a lot of people won't go down. There are a lot of restaurants opening up in the um, in the burbs now because people don't want to go downtown. And you might see a little bit of a flight out of the city. I don't know, but um, as far as business is concerned, um, our clients are doing extremely well. And um, they're hunkered down a little bit, and um, but not much. And they let inventories run off in the fourth quarter, and they got to build it back up. I just don't. I don't see it being a very bad recession. I worry more about a black swan hitting and 
you know, a nine eleven or a right, right, something like that, and, and knocking it, knocking us backwards. But that's Ed Waymer. He's stepping down as the Wintrust CEO. He's still going to be active. And there was one other thing that Terry wanted to make sure oh. we asked you about, Ed, and that yes. was intentional. Is that what the word is, Terry? In, well. Ed's been a civic figure forever. We've lamented where have all the former old civic figures gone, the the, uh, the John Bryans, the uh, the chairman of the banks and so forth. Ed's doing that. And this new intentional sports that you've signed on in a big way, just give us a one minute on that. I'm so impressed. Oh, well, you were very helpful with that, Terry. We would, we've been sitting on the, um, on the uh, sidelines waiting for them to, to get the negotiations through. And it's a wonderful... Um, New facility out um, in the west, in the west, uh, western uh, Chicago. That is really, um, it's a beautiful facility. One that we're proud to be associated with. We're, um, I don't know what else I can tell you. It's just, it's, well, a, it's, it's a great thing for the neighborhoods. It's yeah. um, between that and what the good um, Pastor Brooks is doing. Yeah, right. we need people to do that stuff. We need gotta get behind people who are going to are doing it from the ground up, one kid at a time. Crystal Ray schools, or one kid at a time, bringing bringing this stuff, bringing these kids up, showing them there's another opportunity for them. It's a big new inner city sports place for kids after school, full size soccer field, uh, basketball courts, stuff like that, and uh, that's uh, that's a good investment, that's for sure. Um, okay, Ed, we are out of time. Terry, I need you to stick around so that I we will. can Thanks, answer Ed. some of our listeners' questions. Hey, Terry, be good now. Hey, yeah, Ed, let's talk soon. Even and you're stepping down as the um, uh, uh, CEO, CEO of Wintrust, but uh, we sure appreciate your patronage here, Ed. I hope that you guys stay part of the Wintrust Business Lunch on WGN Radio too. We will, and I, I'll still be around. I'm still I'm still the chairman, and still be working, just not not where I was doing. Yeah, well, he said something like 15-hour days. Nobody needs that, so I hardly blame him. Right now on the Wintrust Business Lunch, we're talking to Terry Savage. It's a Wednesday, you know, and lots of questions for you, Terry. Where should uh, we start? Anything else you want to say before I go to the cues? Okay, that was fun before. Let me give you a couple quick announcements, things that you need to know. Okay. Number one, the IRS, the real people at the IRS are going to be there. This Saturday, and also Saturday, March 11th, April 18th, and May 13th, but this Saturday at 2.30 South Dearborn, it, the offices will be open from 9 to 4 p.m. No appointments, first come, first served. Now, this is not for tax prep help. That we'll do, we'll talk about some other time. This is all, of everybody who tried to get through and tried to get through, I have a problem, I didn't get this, they never did that. This is where you go on Saturday if you want to talk in person, 2.30 South Dearborn. And um, you must bring two forms of identification. If you have a tax return in question, bring a copy of that tax return. And they even want your Social Security card. I just don't even know where mine is. Uh, yeah. But that's what they say they want. But two different good forms of identification. That's a Saturday. One other thing you're going to hear about, and it has to do with... Many people in Illinois, remember the topic I refused to talk about because I thought it was so weird. The state of Illinois gave people payments for a variety of programs that were like mortgage rebates or what other stuff. And I said, I'm not going to be an expert on that. Well, the IRS has not yet figured out what the taxability of those state payments will be. And literally the IRS just said, and I just talked to my our friend, Eric Smith, my guy at the IRS, 
who said, yeah, you should, if you're not certain, if you got those payments, the IRS is recommending you wait, quote, until additional guidance is available because they have not had given clarification on what about those uh, payments you may have received from the state of Illinois. So that's two IRS things. By the way, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. Well, about this IRS thing at 230 South Dearborn, Mm -hmm. so if I maybe haven't got a return, some people were a year behind on that, this would be the time to go and talk to them about that? This would be the time. I will give you, I think, a better way to prepare for this. At TerrySavage.com, under that financial links on the right-hand side, scroll down a little bit, there's a, an article called How to Create an ID, like identity, ID.me account at IRS.gov. There are links in that article. Click through, open your IRS ID me. It is the way I remember we used to look over, want to look over the teller's window at the bank and see what they were seeing. This is what the IRS people will see if they look up your account. So if you want to know what they're seeing, Hmm. there's also a where's my refund link at irs.gov. I would do that first, but if you really have a problem and you've wanted to talk to someone and you know they weren't taking calls and who knew what was going on, they'll be there Saturday. Go early, it is first come first serve. Bring something to read, it'll probably be a lot of people. Saturday in Chicago. What time's that start, Terry? It starts at nine and goes to 4 p.m. No appointments. Can you ask Terry if she knows what is happening with the cancellation of student loans? I don't know, but we will know something soon because uh, the, in about three weeks, yeah, three weeks, the Supreme Court will take up the challenge to the Biden $10,000 in most cases student loan forgiveness plan. And I won't go into the details of it again, but it was challenged as an illegal forgiveness of debt. Then you'll remember about 10 days ago, the administration came out with a program not to forgive, but they have existing income-based repayment plans to expand that plan that would be something theoretically that could not be challenged in court because it would just be broadening the limits of income for people to qualify for income-based repayment. And all this will clear itself up in about three weeks when we see what the Supreme Court has to say. They may not rule immediately, but right now and probably for six months after the Supreme Court ruling will be likely extended, you are not required to pay student loans and interest is not accruing. By the way, our friend uh, who's really good at that, Ray Ray Kaplan at the Kaplan Law Firm, you hear her commercial. She's a guest here on this radio station sometimes. She shared with me, without uh, revealing any personal information about one of her clients, um, one of her clients, one of our listeners, had their entire balance of $211,430 forgiven under the PSLF waiver application, Uh, $211,000 in student debt. I love it. She said that so far, more than $4 million in loans have been forgiven under this public service loan forgiveness, where you had to have worked for 10 years in a public service thing. Now, this has been a program that's been in existence for about 15 years. But up until recently, nobody could get through that because they got 
all kinds of feedback. You're not in the right program. You didn't document this, that, and the other thing. Now, with some help from pe- from Ray Kaplan, particularly, if you have been in uh, public service, or you, if you're a parent potentially with a child in public, ser- uh, or you're in public service and you signed for a child's loan, Ray can help you get uh, into that program and count the back years of payments. And that's great news. It's a nominal investment on your part. By the way, Ray's number is 312-294-8989, Kaplan Law in Chicago. Terry, is it best for my wife to wait until her full retirement age to begin taking Social Security? Then four months later, I turn 70, and she will get half of mine? Well, she <laughs> that's a misunderstanding. And boy, I've been learning more and more and more. I never was the true expert, but I keep talking to other people at Social Security and Larry Kotlikoff. Your spouse doesn't get the benefit, either as a widow or a spouse, of the extra money you get for waiting till 70, which is about three years past your full retirement age. When your spouse collects hers, if... if uh, if she were your widow, for example, collecting yours, they will take a look and see, is her benefit on her earnings larger than what she would get from you, but not from you, what you were getting because you waited till 70, but what you were entitled to at your full retirement age. I am going to defer all those specific questions, however. Go to MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Right. It's simple, it costs $39, but for sure, you're gonna get an answer that may save you, or make you, I should say, a fortune and additional benefits if you follow that advice, and the program's easy to do. It's interesting to me, though, that as much as you encourage people to wait as long as they can, the IRS bases the calculation not on the maximum you can get, but rather on the minimum, that is, when you first hit retirement age, correct? No, no, not when you, well, not when you hit early retirement it's a, and social security bases it spousal benefits on what your spouse's full retirement benefit was not the extra years from waiting that doesn't mean your family wouldn't be better off however if your spouse waited maybe they'll be better off if you wait and that's this is so complex that's why maximize my social security.com what if you wound up because of this yeah maybe this spouse waiting an extra year or two and over a lifetime could be a lot more money Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. You've got a question for Terry. We'll pick it up here in a minute. We've got more business news for you right now, though, with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. The redevelopment of the former AT&T campus in Hoffman Estates is moving forward. Village trustees have approved the next phase of the project that calls for construction of new residential units on the property. The plan includes construction of 164 townhouses and 300 apartments, according to Cranes. The developer's goal is to transform the 150-acre abandoned office park into a pedestrian-friendly working, dining, and living space. A similar project by the same developer in New Jersey is almost complete and nearly sold out. A West Loop office landlord is the latest to be hit with foreclosure. It involves the 10-story building at 216 West Jackson. The foreclosure lawsuit filed in Cook County Court says the building's owner hasn't made a mortgage payment since September. Cranes reports the owners are part of a venture affiliated with Mark Realty in Chicago. There's a balance of about $15 million on the $16.5 million loan. The Jackson building joins a growing list of distressed office properties in downtown Chicago. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Time for the business of food. Here's Steve Alexander. 
Uh, you may be wondering, what in the wide, wide world of everything does this have to do with the business of food? Well, I'll get to that after I tell you we're sponsored by the Chevy Silverado HD. Experience live in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Okay, the business of food connection to this music? Well, the music maker is Radius, a.k.a. Ramon Norwood. He was a co-founder of the Love Fridge. He has moved on from Chicago, but others have helped the Love Fridge thrive. But before we talk about that, I have Ellen Rand on the phone. She's a corn and cattle farmer from northwest Illinois. And Ellen, I tried to call you last week, but you were busy pulling a calf? I was. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just what it sounds like. The mama cow was having trouble giving birth. Yeah, you've got to get your hands in there and get the feet started out. Um, so we were there to assist her to deliver a nice, healthy calf. Yeah, that's good. Happy ending. Now back to the love fridge. Actually, fridges. There are a couple of dozen brightly painted fridges and pantries scattered around Chicago. And people are encouraged to go and take what they need or leave what they can. And for the past month, Illinois farmers like Ellen Rand have been driving into town and leaving a lot. There's meat, such as ham and beef, milk, butter, cheese, tortillas. It's usually stuff that's already been cooked, so it's easier for those that maybe don't have all the necessary components they need to make a meal. You're going to get some of your necessities too, like toothpaste and mouthwash, deodorant. And for Illinois farmers, it's also an opportunity to deliver a message. To help combat food insecurity and uh, to try and bring awareness to the people of Chicago so they know better where their food's coming from. And the founding theory behind the Love Fridge is the belief that being able to feed yourself is a right, not a privilege, and we should all be looking out for one another in any way that we are able to. Illinois farm families like Ellen Rands are doing what they are able to. To find a Love Fridge in Chicago, to either take food from or take food to, or maybe just help maintain them, Go to thelovefridge.com. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. Terry Savage joins us on the Wintrust Business Lunch. And by the way, Terry, a lot of our listeners, including Bob in the newsroom, have a similarly themed question. Bob, what's on your mind? I heard Terry mention T-bills, and it's a good time to get into that. But do we want four-week, eight-week, 13-week, 17, 26, one year? What's... Good question. I just had that discussion with a friend this morning who has been buying on my suggestion six-month T-bills. And here's right now, as I'm going to give you the exact price yields right now. Right now, as I look, six-month T-bills, 4.93%. One year's 4.88%, so about the same. Look, here's what you have to, first of all, Treasury bills are IOUs direct from the government. The government is not going to default on Treasury bills. And no, your CDs are not safer because what stands behind CDs is the FDIC. What stands behind the FDIC is the government. So let's get past that. So the question is, why do T-bills yield what they yield at the regular Monday auctions where you can buy three-month, 13-week, or six-month, or one-year, or two-year notes uh, are auctioned regularly? The, what stands behind them is what the global investors, the big banks around the world, are willing to take when they look at what's the likelihood for inflation. Right now, you're getting about 4.93% on six months, a teeny bit less for one year. So ask yourself, six months from now, what could be happening? We just had Ed Wehmer saying, oh, the economy is going to be strong, um, well, but we're getting inflation under control. So under that scenario, or even a weaker economy, rates would come down. 
what could make rates go up a lot? Inflation gets away from us? It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So this might be the time to start. If you're buying six-month T-bills, maybe you want to buy some that are maybe one year out. The two-year note is 4.46, so about a half a percent lower. If this is money you want to put away, stagger these maturities. But, um, you know, we're splitting hairs here. You're getting a lot more than everywhere except Wintrust, of course, because I'm sure Ed's paying the highest rates. But you're, the banks don't need money. They're not running out to make loans. Most of them are a little worried about the economy. So they're not offering you high rates or toasters. So you can buy treasury bills, and you can find out how to do that right on the box. How to buy T-bills at terrysavage.com. It makes it sound, though, these questions like there's a wide variance, like should I do the short term or, or lock in for the longer My term? answer to my friend was, who has done some six-month T-bills, and said, you know, I have new money. What do you think? This morning, I said, you know, this might be the time to go out a year with some of them. The ones you bought in the last two or two months are sort of staggered maturities. They'll roll over, which can happen automatically if you put that in there, roll it over. And they'll roll over at whatever the rate is at the auctions you know, in May, June, July. Yeah, yeah. But now you might want to lock in a little bit of one year, maybe two year paper, uh, one year at 4.88%. What about this? Cindy, you're on WGN. It's the Wintrust Business Lunch. I don't have a lot of time, Cindy, but what's your question? Um, hi, I'm a retired CPS teacher, and I was married for 40 years. If my ex dies, am I entitled to any of his Social Security benefits? That depends. There's an offset called the WEP, which confounds me and is uh, astounding. It, it, it's to avoid, quote, double dipping. That's why they call it for those who didn't pay into Social Security. But so teacher, you put that. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, you put that information into MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com along with your spouse's information, what his full retirement benefit was, if, if he took it later, what his benefit at full retirement age was, and they will tell you exactly how much you may get based on your record as a teacher. But CPS teachers don't pay into Social Security. That's, That's what you're thinking thing. about, right, Cindy? Right. So I worked two years past 65 and for those two years, I was able to get half of his Social Security. And the moment I retired and started pulling a pension, that was done. Okay, I want to tell you something. I'm really, really, really not an expert on how they how they calculate that offset, which is the WEP. So that's why instead of making a mistake, not only directionally, but in the yeah. specifics, yeah. I want you to go to maximize my uh, your my social, social com. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it because at that. there are so many caveats. It on based on his age at retirement, based on your status, I just don't know the answer to that. I think it's a good start, though. And Terry, that's all the time we have. So let's uh, make more time for callers and listeners next week. Sound good? Absolutely. Thanks, John.